Welcome to Stack Attack, the PI Public Library Services podcast on books, culture, and everything related to the world of libraries. It's October and fall is upon us. The days are becoming shorter, the evenings are becoming darker, and there is a cool nip in the air. October also means the arrival of Halloween, a time when we embrace the eerie side of life by sharing spooky stories. Stories that we have heard from others, or recounting stories that we have experienced ourselves. Like most individuals, Islanders enjoy a good ghost story. So in order to celebrate this time of year, we talk to some special guests from across the province who share with us their experiences and knowledge of the supernatural. I'm here with Benton Hartley, who's the storyteller in residence at the King's Playhouse in the community of Georgetown in the town of Three Rivers, and he's going to share with us a ghost story. A lot of people know, a lot of people don't know that the King's Playhouse uh, has a fairly extensive history of being haunted. I'm an actor by training, and there's a saying in the theater that goes, every good theater deserves a good ghost. (laughs) First one, the, the biggest one I would say probably be Captain George. Back when Playhouse first got electricity, there was a lot of issues with the technological components, the light board, the sound board, that kind of thing. Uh, and there would be glitches and things wouldn't quite work right. And we were thinking that it might have been an electrical problem, so we had a few electricians come in and take a look at things. They couldn't figure out what was going on. And so one of the workers said, well, I, used, I, I saw this ghostly looking man walking around, dressed like a sea captain. And so they decided to name this guy Captain George. So they decided to give him his own reserved seat. And as soon as that happened, all of the technological glitches wow. disappeared. And anytime somebody moves the chair or sits in the chair, the technical glitches come back. The really famous French actress Sarah Bernhardt performed here back in the day and she very famously had a wooden leg. On really quiet evenings you can still almost hear a wooden leg thumping (laughs) up in the dressing room. Actually we're coming up on Remembrance Day now, right? So a couple of years ago during Remembrance Day there was a nice exhibit out in the lobby here Mm -hmm. of old uniforms from World War I and World War II. And uh, a friend of ours took a picture of those costumes. Mm -hmm. Plain as day, I've seen the photo myself, I can't explain it. In the folds of the skirt of one of the nurse's uniforms Mm -hmm. is a human face. There's been ghostly sightings all over the place. The story centers around a house on Water Street in Georgetown. And it was at one point this man's grandparents' house. And so the story begins when this guy was around 11 years old and he and his friend were looking for something to do and they knew that their grandparents were out of town. Also happened to know where this fair key was. And so they're, they're sorting around and they're, they're rummaging around for whatever they can possibly find. Uh, they probably find a couple of granola bars, some spare change, that sort of thing. And one of them walks through the front room of the house they went in through the back door, so they're walking through the front room of the house, and they look up the main staircase, and there's a man standing at the top of the stairs. And he's 
wearing like a black overcoat and a black cap and he's got a big bushy beard and he's sort of just staring at them. He doesn't say anything, he looks really pale. Being 11 years old, <laughs> they freak out and they run out of the house and vow never to speak of it again. <laughs> and so I'd say about 25 years passes probably and this guy has never spoken about it ever again. He's hanging out with his mother because his grandmother has just passed away now. And he and his mother are searching through old um, family albums, photo books, that kind of thing. And a photograph pops up of his grandparents' house with the man from the staircase <laughs> standing in front of it, dressed exactly the same way. He has never seen this photograph before in his life. No frame of reference for what this guy was supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And he looks over at his mother and says, like, Mom, who is this man? And his mom says, that's your great-great-grandfather. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't a believer in the paranormal before I started here. I've been here for almost eight months now, and I'm starting to come around. So I'm here with Carol Stone from um, West Point, and she's got a long history, a long family history with with the West Point Lighthouse, and she's going to share some of the uh, spooky stories that her and uh, some people she know have experienced um, around around the lighthouse in West Point. Uh, my great-grandfather was the lightkeeper for 50 years, and so we had always grown up hearing stories. So uh, the lighthouse has always been really important to all of us who grew up around, uh, you know, within the West Point area. When we were looking for something to do to improve conditions in West Point, of course, the lighthouse was the top of the list for many of us. We wanted to see it in better shape than it was. When when we opened it at first, uh, it was a lot of volunteer work and members of the Point Development Corporation would uh, stay overnight. We had a manager, uh, Rick Adams. One night Rick was staying there and he went out for some reason, maybe just for a walk, whatever. And he saw this strange man in old-fashioned clothes and he looked really old and Rick told us about it afterwards and we said you know you must have had something a little stronger than coffee for supper and but it was a bit of a mystery we thought a bit about it but not too much now the rule was if uh, the, the manager needed of course to have time off some of the board members would stay there and Myrna Bolter was one of the very active uh, board members. And this particular night, it was time for her to go there. And she checked everything, everything was just fine. And she came back out, locked the place up, and got in her car to turn in the yard and happened to look up. And on the second floor in the keeper's quarters, the light was back on. 
she thought, sure, that was on when I, I just came by there. Anyway, out of the car, unlocked the lighthouse up to the second floor, turned off the light. And down she came and went to finish her turn. She looked up and the light was on. She said, I damn well went home. <laughs> I, I had, we searched everything and so on. And I, one night when it was my turn, to stay there, as all good light keepers would, up to the top, everything was working well, came down, shut down the lights, and uh, looked into the little bedroom, and there appeared to be a man in old-fashioned clothes at the foot of the bed. I went down the stairs, locked the place up, and went home. And we've had different things. We had uh, a woman, um, for us at a different time mm -hmm. and she used to say she saw a little girl uh, she kept telling me about this little girl seven or eight years old something like that that she would see and then one day i was looking through the old family pictures girl seven or eight years old white dress you know midway down the leg sweet little girl and and it was uh the light keeper's granddaughter who died when she was seven or eight. Uh, so this was kind of strange that this little girl would be there. And the bedroom where we saw things happening, that likely would have been the little girl's bedroom when she was staying there. Uh, yeah, there, there have been different things that different people uh, have seen and uh, there's not explanations for all of them. Here with Nikki Gallant. She's the site director at the Eptec Art and Culture Center in Summerside. It's one of the seven sites of the PEI Museum and Heritage Foundation across the island. And currently, one of their exhibits is called the Cabinet of Killer Curios. It's on display until October 31st, and Nikki's here to tell us a little bit about it. Got a neat exhibit on. You get to share some artifacts from the PEI Museum and Heritage Foundation collections that have a bit of a spooky feel for folks in the season. We've got a few creatures that, uh, that are excited to be, to have their little day passes and um, <laughs> to be over here visiting. There's a, a crocodile that's taxidermied and he's uh, pretty interesting to look at. Quite often folks that were uh, well-to-do or well-traveled would, would sort of collect items like that to put in their homes to sort of showcase their um their wealth they would actually amass a, it would be called the cabinet of curiosities where you would have different objects from around the world you've got a few items of clothing that would have had you know been treated with different chemicals that would have been dangerous but they didn't think of them or see them that way people could be wearing their fancy dress and uh it, it would be killing them slowly they would be told that they have to wear these things for like high fashion or just for what you had to wear. 
those items of clothing were just, they were made with chemicals that were really bad for us. But yeah, there was a little uh, jar of ointment in there that, uh, that says poison on it. They use it for, um, to treat syphilis and also lice. It just was basically lard and mercury. A few other things that we have uh, on display are uh, a bit related. So a lot of the exhibits that we show here are art related. And I thought perhaps that the listeners might want to know a bit about uh, some of the art related artifacts that, uh, that could also kill you. One of the colors that they would use uh, back then for, and it would get uh, used for linen or for paint and things like that. It was uh, Paris green or Shields green. There were different names for it, but uh, it was basically an arsenic based compound. It would be on clothing that would, you know, go towards killing you. It would be on uh, your wallpaper that would surround you in the room that you're in. Hmm. Um, it would, yeah, it would be on all kinds of things. And one strange use that PEI seemed to, to use that compound for, they would use it on their crops uh, to control potato beetles. We also have uh, a, bit, a bit of uh, mummy linen, you know, what they would use to wrap the bodies in before interring them. There used to be, there would be grave robbers, but apparently one of the things grave robbers were going for was to actually dig up the mummies themselves to use the mummies for pink color. Make this brown that was apparently called mummy brown. Artists were using this mummy brown and perhaps not even aware of where it, where the name came from. One thing I wanted to mention too, they also used to use lead in all kinds of paint that would go on your wall. Toys, you know, just to make them <laughs> nice and bright. Yeah, lead was, was pretty common also not that long ago. Stack Attack is a production of the PEI Public Library Service. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and that it will inspire you to share your own spooky stories this Halloween season. A big thank you to our special guests, Benton, Carol, and Nikki, for sharing their stories with us today. And of course, we always love to hear from you. Feel free to share your favorite scary stories with us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit our website, library.pe.ca for the most up-to-date information on library events and services. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful Halloween.